Welcome to Love, Lead, Listen, a podcast from Alpha Gamma Delta. I'm your host, Emily Bice. Join us as we discuss topics that affect women of today and examine the ways that we can be women with purpose. Hello and welcome to Love, Lead, Listen. Today's guest is Dr. Daryl Appleton. Dr. Appleton is the owner and co-founder of a New England-based mental health practice, Polaris Consulting. There, Dr. Appleton has harnessed the vision to empower individuals in becoming well-beings into a practice that inspires purposeful changes in revolutionary ways. Dr. Appleton specializes in the success and well-being of those in high-stakes, high-burnout professions. She challenges leaders, audiences, and organizations to redefine their values and views of success. Dr. Appleton and her work have been featured across the globe as her first co-authored book made the Amazon bestsellers list in 2016. Dr. Appleton teaches in special lectures on neuropsychology and psychotherapy at many colleges in the New England area when she's not counseling and consulting. She holds a doctorate of education leadership, an MED in counseling, a CAGS in mental health, and an LMHC in the state of Rhode Island. Daryl, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. This is this is fantastic. I'm so excited. We're so excited to have you. And for our listeners that are tuning in, they probably heard you before, right? That's right. They should. They should have. <laughs> yes. So Daryl and her partner, Jen, uh, you both do our impact talks at IHQ, and you've also consulted with a lot of our collegiate chapters throughout the years and presented in a variety of ways. Yeah, we, we love Alpha Gamma Delta. We love the women that we work with, the staff. So if you haven't checked any of that out, absolutely check it out. Um, but I'm happy to be here in this capacity because this is fun and new and exciting, and I'm ready to go. Yes, I'm so excited that you're here too. And today I wanted to talk to you about something that I think a lot of us have on our minds is the year of 2020 is coming to a close, which is how do we plan for 2021 when 2020 was just a mess? Like, I don't know if it was for you, but for me, it was just a hot mess. And I think a lot of people can resonate with that as well. Yeah, I think the Hot Mess Express also came this way um, and to a lot of other places uh, and people I've talked to. So I think collectively, there was so much change happening that it was hard for anybody to kind of like grasp all of the changes that were happening so quickly. Um, And I think planning for 2021 after having kind of this whiplash is a really great conversation to have. Absolutely. So hopefully today we can kind of talk through some ways to reframe and to, to look at some tangible steps to prepare for the next year ahead. Yeah. To start off, just looking back at 2020, it feels like so much has happened and it feels like there's just not any more that I can take. Like at one point there was a murder hornet subplot. Right now there's a monolith going around. It's just like, can you guys stop? There is a pandemic and that's enough. It is like at some point you have to laugh, right? It's like you laugh to keep from crying almost. Um, There is this place in space where like at some point it's like, wow, okay, well, 2020 then. All right. Um, And I think that this is definitely something that will shape us moving forward. And it'll be a great story for our kids, grandkids, nieces, nephews, whoever, the younger generation. Um, This will be our like walking uphill in five feet of snow, 10 miles to school kind of a story. So it's it's good. It's not it's not all bad, even though bad things potentially are happening. Um, So hopefully we can extract some of the good from this. Yes. And that's where I want to kind of talk about looking at the good, because even though there's been so much 
bad in 2020 and there's been murder hornets and a pandemic and it feels like everything is kind of spiraled. Like you said, there's still some good here. And I'm wondering what have you seen that's been good in your life and how do you identify that in a way that other people can do that as well in their lives? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And this is not to minimize the loss that has happened. This is not to minimize people who have passed or people who have gotten sick or lost their jobs or their homes. So I definitely want to put that out there. This is in no way trying to do that. And I believe that toxic positivity is a real thing where sometimes we tend to overlook the bad just to focus on the good and we never process the bad. So this is not necessarily a conversation on that. This is a conversation of like, go through what you got to go through, grief, mourn, whatever it is. But once, once we're through with all of that, like, how do we reframe? A lot of stuff that I do with my clients and myself is trying to understand narrative and trying to understand the way that we can storytell in our own lives to make it better. So, you know, in 2020, for me personally, my husband and I got to spend more time together in, in a really great way, to be fair. He still goes to work every day. He's a surgeon, so I don't get to see him like he's not in my physical face, which is wonderful. Um, but it's nice with me being home and I get to kind of not walk in the door at 9 p.m. like I used to. Um, so that's been really great, being able to have more quality time with him. Not having to do all of the extra stuff. Sometimes that social stuff, again, is so wonderful. But like sometimes it was nice not to have such a full social calendar. So that was something that was like kind of really an interesting reframe at first, but ended up being really nice to be able to connect to home and family a little bit better. Um, and then we got pregnant. I, I'm pregnant with twins right now. So we're definitely going to have some quarantines um, in the next you know, 10 or so years. But there, there's also that piece too. So I'm kind of grateful that when I was going through my morning sickness and all like the really kind of awful things that came with my particular pregnancy in the beginning, I could be at home and I didn't have to necessarily be at my office running out to the bathroom every time I, I had to had to go um, and leaving my clients in bewilderment. So I think again, like some really kind of great things came out of this for me personally, but also in the people who I speak to every day in their lives. Um, you know, there there is some good to this not so good. That is true. There has definitely been some high moments. And I myself have even enjoyed getting to connect to home, like you said, and getting to enjoy just being instead of having to go is the way I've kind of phrased it before. I'm curious, though, of when we look at these changes, and we look at back at 2020, to me, overall, it feels like a feeling of uncertainty. How do we plan for 2021? After going through 2020, even with those positive parts? Sure. I think, you know, there's, this has taught us a level of radical acceptance, which basically is a skill in therapy we use that, that basically means it is what it is. And for anything, this year has taught us to be flexible. Um, this year has taught us that bad things can happen and we have systems in place and we can be prepared and we can pivot when needed. Uh, so I think 2021 is about how do we manage the, and I'm going to use the word trauma. Um, for some of us, that, that's a very strong word. And for some of us, 2020 was traumatic. But the trauma of 2020, how do we not let that baggage carry into 2021 with us? It's kind of like a bad relationship, right? Like, how do you not let your last breakup impact your next like super healthy relationship? Because we have no idea. 2021 might be wonderful. It might be like the knight in shining armor that we've all been kind of waiting for, that proverbial kind of uh, a person in our lives. 
So how do we give it a fair chance, I think is, is a really great way to, to begin to reframe this. And I think like when we, we were talking before uh, this interview, I'm like, we were talking about like post-traumatic growth and how to actually take something that has traumatized us and grow from it. So I think that's, that's a really cool conversation and, and a way to reframe going into 2021. I like that idea of reframing it that you've said again. When we look at post-traumatic growth, though, and I think for a lot of people, 2020 has been traumatic in some way, shape or form. How do we grow after that? Like, what are the techniques that we need to, to actually take to take our steps forward into 2020? Yeah, there's a, a Japanese art of fixing cracked pottery. And I bring this up because A, I'm obsessed with it and B, like, I think it's so fitting to kind of give an overview but the Japanese believe that rather than hiding cracks, they use this technique that rejoins the broken pieces um, with a lacquer that's almost mixed with gold or silver or platinum, something like really special. And they believe sometimes in highlighting these cracks with a material that doesn't, you know, try to put things back together perfectly, but shows our our scars and our trauma and and how we have made them beautiful and how we've healed from them by, by owning almost like the broken history of it. It's like a really beautiful kind of like, um, piece, um, that they do. And, and if you haven't seen it, definitely look it up. But I think, you know, the skill set involved in that is a recognizing that recognizing the cracks, recognizing that it wasn't all good. And whether that means processing on your own through journaling, whether that means, getting together with a coach or a counselor, like stuff like Jen and I do, or someone in your area, or, you know, even a mentor or somebody that you trust to really process how this has impacted you. For me, that's step one. It's giving honor and credence to the broken pieces. And then step two is kind of like, how do we put ourselves back together in a way that makes sense? How do we draw from this slightly terrible experience potentially? And what do we take from it? Um, you know, the yin and yang symbol is very indicative of, of life, right? There's no such thing as good in its totality. And there's no such thing as bad in its totality. There's a little bit of bad in every good. And there's a little bit of good in every bad. So when I'm working with clients, we do a lot of perception and that reframing of what are we choosing to look at? So this could be something that, again, in a journaling exercise or working with somebody, once you've identified what has happened and where it hurts and almost diagnosing the problem there, then we can start to treat it. Then we can start to fix it. And that looks like giving ourselves the opportunity to tell a different story, allowing ourselves to feel however we need to feel, but also putting ourselves in the position to see things from a different vantage point or a different perspective. Um, I think those skills are incredibly helpful because if we get stuck in a negative mindset, neuropsychologically, our brain actually starts to develop patterns of behavior and, and growth into that negative direction. So I guess meaning very simply, if you continue down a negative path so many times, your brain is automatically going to go down that negative path without even thinking about it. Um, it's like driving your way home from school or from work and not even thinking about the route that you're taking. Um, you're on autopilot and it's much harder to change. So it's the same thing in the brain. It's forcing our brains to choose a different story, to walk a different path, to take a different way home so that we can see different things. We can have different views. We can appreciate things a little bit more and be a little bit more present in our everyday life. 
I love that idea of taking control again of your thoughts. I feel like myself and a lot of folks, you just kind of get into the same pattern and it's hard to break out of those patterns to view it in a new light. Totally. It's probably arguably the hardest thing that one can do, but it's doable. Which that's good to hear. It's always good to hear that it's doable, even if it's hard. <laughs> and I think that's the thing. Like we we tend to look at growth with a synonym of comfort um, in a way, but growth is anything but comfortable. If you think about like when you were like that awkward teenager, like physical growing pains, like your shins hurt or your pimples or, you know, whatever else happens when you're in that weird, awkward stage, like your teeth kind of come in in that weird, like rigid, <laughs> kind of way. <laughs> you know, 10 year old school pictures. Um, growth is not pretty. It's not swan like it's really and truly kind of jarring and it feels less comfortable um, than we would like it. So I think that's why people avoid growth because it is so hard changing our thoughts and challenging ourselves to see, see things differently is an incredibly difficult task to do because it's uncomfortable, not because it's unattainable. I love that. And I want to bring us back to something you mentioned earlier in the podcast. You talked a little bit about toxic positivity. Mm. And as we think about reframing and thinking of, of 2020 and more of a positive light and the good things that happened, how do we avoid toxic positivity? And if we don't, what can that do to this process? That is a really great question. Um, so toxic positivity again, at its core is ignoring any of the bad feelings. It's almost like putting that bandaid on that proverbial bullet hole, I suppose, to quote Taylor Swift. We literally just lacquer away anything that hurts with, it'll be fine. Um, this, this will pass. Everything will be better. Thank goodness we're still here. Those statements have a place and a space. I don't want to say they don't, but they're not necessarily A, validating or B, helpful. Um, so if you find yourself in a difficult situation and automatically going with like, well, this too shall pass without actually processing your feelings, they're going to come up somewhere. Emotions are, and, and uh, trauma is not like a pimple. It doesn't clear up on its own. It goes somewhere. It, you know, it lives somewhere. And it, it sometimes it comes out in inopportune times when we are then stressed at work or with school, or we explode on a significant other or a friend, it comes out in different ways. So I think to avoid toxic positivity, again, is to validate that this is hard. And this is hard in a way that's appropriate. And it's whatever normal means I'm air quoting right now, but it's also normal for this to be hard. And that's okay. So sometimes when People are going through really rough times. And it's interesting, you know, being in this kind of proverbial chair of therapists, I'm very comfortable with people crying. I'm very comfortable with people <laughs> in distress. It's like, you know, just a, a, I guess, like a skill of the job at some point. And it's so interesting to me to, to view other people when they're dealing with somebody who's in grief or dealing with somebody who's hurt. Automatically, they try to like patch it up with like, it's okay. You know, he or she was stupid anyway. You don't, you, you can do so much better. Or, you know, we try to like make it better. We try to like plug the holes. Instead of saying to somebody like, that was really difficult and I wish you never had to go through that, what do you need right now? Um, so, just in that hopeful example, you can see the differences. One is like, it's fine. You're fine, girl. Don't worry about it. And the other one's like, yep, you're absolutely right. That was really difficult. That was incredibly tough. How can I help? 
both are both are there you know both are there with love and both are there to to be there to be productive and helpful one is just a little bit more productive than the other because it allows that person a space to feel we can do that with ourselves as well um so really monitoring how we talk to ourselves what's our inner voice saying is our inner voice like stop it silly you're being ridiculous knock it off like that's not really nice we wouldn't say that to a friend why are we saying it to ourselves just as much as you know, going down a negative path and saying, everything's terrible, this is awful, nothing will get better, equally not as helpful. So I believe that growth comes from that really kind of cool space of, you can be upset and still be okay. Um, you can have your feelings and we can still have a plan to work through them. You can be a little bit of a mess, but still not have your life fall apart. It feels more like you're saying, don't push away the emotions, embrace them. That is a beautiful summary. Exactly. Which I think that it's so important to do that. Like you're saying, if you don't do that, you can't process and take the next steps forward. One thousand percent. Well, when we look at, we do that work of looking back at 2020 and really embracing those moments that were tough, those moments that were challenging. How do we move forward after embracing those and putting the gold in between the cracks to go back to that pottery reference? I think once you've understood where your feelings are, once you've kind of uh, processed and put them in their appropriate boxes, so to speak, it's about getting back to everyday life in, in the way your brain works, right? So if you are type A, um, like myself, and you need a list and you need goals and you need a timeline, then start to do that. But don't do it before you're ready. Don't set goals before you've processed what you need. Um, if you need to engage more into the social piece, if you're looking for more social wellness, especially with what's going on now, I would urge you to lean into quality interactions rather than quantity. Um, who fills you up? What do you need out of your, your social interactions? If you need something in the intellectual capacity, right? If you're feeling kind of bored, what are you watching on TV? How do we change and shift that and make that piece of wellness a little bit more at the forefront? So I think once you've dealt with the feelings, once you've understood, once you've diagnosed what's been happening and what you need, then you can really start to lean into the planning piece of it. In totality, for me, wellness is not bubble baths. And 2021, I really hope we embrace this. It's not Netflix binging and cute memes and all that stuff is wonderful. And trust me, like I love, I love a good heavy dose of all of them at the same time. But what it really, it, what wellness really is at its core is being in a state of flux or anger or chaos and being able to choose something different in that moment, understanding the power that you have to change your life by choice. So for me, at the end of the day, what I would give as a gift to everyone listening would be understanding that choice and and what you can do with the choices that you have in your life moving forward because that's that's something people can't take away from you that's something that is completely within your control and it's something so empowering that it will bring you to really great places in your life. I think the choice that you're talking about is so powerful because it feels like a lot of times we just kind of get swept away especially in this past year things just happen you get swept away and it feels like you don't necessarily have that choice. But I love that you're saying that we do, in fact, have a choice in how we process this and move forward. 
Oh, totally. I would argue that the smaller choices matter more than even the bigger ones. I'm working right now with a, a group of surgeons here in New England area, and they're super stressed out and super burnt out. And we talk a lot about this, like, quote unquote, stopping the bleeding. Um, sometimes when you're really stressed and you're in the midst of chaos and trauma, like AKA murder hoarder swarms and, you know, 2020, sometimes the best thing we can do are the small choices. So when you're moving into your 2021 goals, like really root them in, in ground level stuff and then build upon them. Meaning what is your, what does your sleep look like? What is your body movement look like? Meaning exercise or how you purposefully rest. Um, cause there's all different types of rest and you can definitely look that up. How do you eat? And again, I am not suggesting it should be perfect and diet and this and that, but like, what are you putting into your body? What are you putting into your mind? Who are you choosing to hang out with? All of these interactions absolutely matter because these will be the building blocks of the bigger things. There has never, ever been a person that has come into my office who has all of their, all of their basic needs met that feels like their life is falling apart. I promise you. Basic needs that I just mentioned are important and they're valid. And sometimes if you're looking to like, where do I start with goals? My argument is start small and then build on it. You can still accomplish all of these great things, the job you want, the college you want to get into, or the master's program, or whatever, you know, um, going for office, all of that's accomplished, or could be accomplished. But if you're not eating right, if you're not sleeping, if you're not hanging out with the right people who fill your cup, rather than um, the ones who drain you, it will be much harder to get to those goals, especially coming off of a year like 2020, when our tanks are lower than they normally would be. That's an interesting thing. And I think with the start of a new year, with that comes resolutions. And there's so many studies and things that say that most resolutions are not fulfilled. So when we look into 2021, and a lot of us are making resolutions at the start of this year, how do we make resolutions or choices that are realistic and that we will follow up with? I love me some goals. Goals are moving targets though. So I'm going to use goals and resolutions interchangeably here. Um, when we set goals, the, the goal for the goal really is to achieve and to move on, right? So even if we were to achieve everything on our resolution list, it doesn't mean that we would necessarily be better for it. I would argue the process matters more than the goal. The process matters more than the resolution. Because once you get the process of achieving down, you can do anything with that. So lean into what the process of that looks like. So if the goal or the resolution is to, and let's use the quintessential one of work out, be healthier, go to the gym, that's really great, but that's, that's a moving target of a goal. Really lean into what is the process to get there. So that looks like, okay, what, is, what does health mean to me? What does that feel like? Is that, hopefully not, but is that a number on a scale? Is that how my body feels? Is that how I feel at the end of the day? So sometimes it's like operationally defining, like what am I trying to get out of this goal? And then the process of, okay, do I need to do this three times a week? Do I need to do it once a week? What's realistic for me? What is actually manageable for my life? So I'm not just adding stuff onto my, my plate that I just can't eat and I end up throwing out and then feeling bad about. So there's this whole kind of level of, of processing goals in, in a procedure like fashion that makes it a lot more 
um, worthwhile, I guess is the word I would use because the goal will move. So my ultimate kind of advice, take it, leave it, do whatever you want with it is really lean into that process. And if you don't know what, where to start, ask for help with it. That's there are people who are there to help you with that. And trust me, it's so much easier to do when somebody is helping you out or you feel like you know what you actually want um, versus just a random piece of paper with a list of things that you are trying to attain. I love that advice of asking for help. I don't think that's something everyone is skilled at. I'm guilty of that as well. So that's always a good reminder to ask for help in those goals. And I'm always interested with that, like why it's hard to ask for help. And, you know, with Academy coming up, Jen and I are doing our our talk on narrative and on imposter syndrome. And part of imposter syndrome, which is interesting, is some of us don't necessarily ask for help because we don't want other people to think that our lives aren't together. or We don't want the perception that I don't know what I'm doing. That's not what help is. If I were asking you to carry a backpack full of rocks, at some point it would get heavy. But if you and I shared the load, it would be so much easier. So part of this is also understanding like you don't have to carry everything by yourself. You don't need to continue to take on this burden. Help is there to literally help. It's not there to judge. It's not there to um, you know, make you feel like you're inept. It's literally there to help lighten the load because again, 2020 has taught us that there is a lot that happens and it can get very heavy very quickly. It sure can. Well, Daryl, we're at the point in our podcast where I love to ask every guest this one question, which is, what is your purpose? I love this question. And when I listen to your podcast, I always love the answer. So I hope mine can live up. For me, my purpose is to leave the world a little bit better than when I got here. I love helping people find their story and find their purpose in their own lives. So I guess my purpose is to help people meet their purpose. And it's something I am so honored that I get to do and people trust me with their stories and allow me to be a part of their journey. So I really think, you know, as a friend, as, you know, a a psychologist, a therapist, um, I'm just so honored that that gets to be something that I get to do and reminding myself of my purpose is something that is so wonderful. So thank you for asking that because I think it's a really great way for me to frame the rest of my day to day um, when things might get tough or, you know, whatever normally happens in our lives. Um, But I, I do love that question. So thank you for asking it. And thank you for asking it for the other guests as well. Well, thank you for answering. I certainly loved your answer. And I'm curious of what, now that you say you listen and you love the other guests, I wonder what our other listeners think of when I ask, what is your purpose? So that is now in the back of my brain. I love it. I love it. And make sure you tune into the Impact Talks if you haven't already with uh, Jen Weaver and myself. And hopefully we'll see some of you virtually at Academy and hopefully in person at some point as well. Yes, that's definitely uh, a reality. I'm hoping that everyone will be able to tune into your Impact Talks, which are available on Acorn. So if you haven't logged into there, check it out. You can get more of Daryl and Jen. They have so many great resources on there. And Daryl, if anyone wants more of you and Jen outside of Impact Talks or Academy or all the other Alpha Gam ways we involve you, how should they do that? Oh, you guys can send a smoke signal. You can stop over my house. But more realistically, you can send me an email, contact at drdarylappleton.com. I'm on Instagram at drdarylappleton. Um, you can DM me. 
However, if you have questions and I can help at all in, in the realm of the mind or, you know, goals or psychology, I will absolutely help as best I can and give you any resources that I have available for you. So please reach out if you do have any questions or comments on anything. I would love to hear from you and connect with you. And what is your Instagram handle for those that don't know? Uh, at Dr. Daryl Appleton. Daryl, thank you so much for being here today and talking so much about how to set our goals and plans for 2021 after whatever 2020 was. I really learned a lot and I hope our listeners did too. Thank you so much for having me. You were wonderful as usual. And I, I hope people get at least one thing out of this. Oh, I'm sure they'll get more than one thing. If you don't, listen again. <laughs> Perfect. That's all for today. Until next time. Love, Lead, Listen is recorded and produced at Alpha Gamma Delta International Headquarters and is generously funded by the Alpha Gamma Delta Foundation. Episodes are released every two weeks, so make sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts so you don't miss out on any of our episodes. If you like this show, make sure to rate us five stars on iTunes and don't forget to share it with your friends. If you have an idea for a future episode or any other feedback, send us an email at podcast at alphagammadelta.org. I'm your host, Emily Weiss, and that's all for today. See you next time.